Okay. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Kenny and Co. Show, which is fabulous today because we actually have a co on the Kenny and Co. Show. And the best part about this is that she was our first guest on the Kenny and Co. Show. And we have her back for part two, which is long, long, long overdue because you guys loved the first part of this. We talked about hair mineral analysis, hormones, explant surgery. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back. It is, I think, the first one that I released. We recorded it a year ago, but I only released it in the summer because I just dragged my feet with things. But um, go back and listen to that. We talk about all the things. And then I figured I'd have Victoria back so we could do a part two of this. So without further ado, I am welcoming Victoria Wellness, as you know her on Instagram, Victoria Franca. It is amazing to have you back on the Zooms, on the podcast, to do this with you. We were just talking about the things that we talked about last year and kind of like where we're at now and the fact that we haven't seen each other in over a year, which is bizarre, very bizarre. But you were just catching me up on part two of like your explant surgery, what's been happening there. Um, You're feeling good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, well, thanks again for having me. Hi, everyone. I'm back. <laughs> She's back. She's going to be the only guest we have on ever oh. on the show. Uh, no, super excited. Uh, yeah. So we were kind of catching up offline a little bit on how the journey explant has been. So last year, which is crazy, is that, you know, when we did the podcast, not a lot of people were speaking about explant. No. And then suddenly, I think around like Q4 of 2022, we had more celebrities talking about it. There's just more media and more press about it. So that has been awesome to see that people are speaking up and that, you know, symptoms are starting to um, arise, but also women know that it could be related to their implants. So when it comes to my health, my health was great as soon as I got them off. So I was feeling great, energized, felt fine. My biggest worry was how it was going to look and they looked perfect. They honestly, you know, they... I thought it was going to look like just little inflated balloons and it didn't like <laughs> my, my boobs just like went back to normal. It's almost like there's like a little internal vacuum and it just like sucked it back in, you know, nothing looks like an inflated balloon, which is oh great. Um, but then what's interesting is within like a couple of months, obviously at that point, I'm still, you know, supporting my minerals. I'm doing all the things that I, you know, do for, for a living, but I noticed some symptoms coming up. I noticed I was getting more tired. I noticed that, um, Just, I felt my hormones were a little bit off again and I did another retest and of course more metals were coming out. So my body was really deep in the detox of heavy metals, which it still is, which is fine, which is great because it just shows of course that, you know, my lymphatic system is working. My whole system is, you know, properly um, able to detox. But with that, of course, comes, you know, the side effects. It's more, it's more fatigue. Um, It's often a little bit more breakouts than I was used to. um, And just being way more strict with my diet. I've really had to hone in on an anti-inflammatory diet, meaning that before I always practice 80-20 lifestyle, which means, you know, 80% of the time gluten dairy free and, you know, just sensitive and not really focusing on those foods. And then 20% of the time eating what I want to eat. And now I would say I'm about 95% gluten and dairy free um, and to- not intolerant, but focused on not eating those foods because I've seen a big impact when it comes to my energy levels and just the inflammation I feel. And again, it's because my body is going through such a heavy detox process, right? So it's been interesting to see, you know, you get to that point of your health where you're like, okay, I'm doing great. And then suddenly something happens and you're like, why am I going back through this again? Mm. Right. <laughs> but it's a journey. And I think that's really something I've been, you know, learning myself and going through it. And, you know, clients go through it themselves as well. But our health is a journey and it's never going to be, you know, we're never going to get to that one mm. destination of like, oh, everything is great. That is like the dream. I think. And I get wrapped up in this too myself where I just want everything. <laughs> I want my like health and wellness to feel like it's wrapped up in a nice bow. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're done with that. And then we can move on to the next thing that we're trying to tackle. And I think, I think it's really unique for you though, because, you know, as a practitioner, you're helping clients through this, but then you are also having this journey yourself. So it's like getting back into almost like being the the patient again, kind of like getting to be the guinea pig on this. And I think that's so cool. I mean, you're probably like, I'd rather not do it. I'd rather not go through that. 
Um, but I do think that, you know, everything happens for a reason. So maybe there's a part of your journey that was also like you had to go through this so that you could help other people kind of going through it as well. And I think that that hopefully validates whatever it is that, you know, the hurdles that have come up in the last year. But um, I have, like you said, like, I think I've heard more about explant surgery in the last like six months than I did like at all prior to that. It's crazy how, how prevalent it is and how many people are starting to speak out about it, which is so cool because I know when we talked about this, the last time I got a lot of messages from people saying, oh my God, I just scheduled my explant and like, or like, thank you. Like yeah. I'm thinking about that. So it is really, it is really interesting. And it's funny that you say that about hormones and how you've noticed with your body detoxing and getting rid of heavy metals, how you feel like your hormones are out of balance. And I think this is something that we talked about last time as well, but it's something it's always ongoing. I've talked about it openly on the podcast too. Like I'm trying to get pregnant and, you know, we've been trying and not trying and trying again for years ish, like, you know, two or three years. And finally getting to the point where it's like, okay, well, now we have to, you know, really hone in on this, really take a look at our hormones, really, you know, get to the bottom of like what's going on. And I find that every single woman, whether they're trying to get pregnant or trying to get off of birth control or trying to lose weight or trying to get, you know, better mental clarity or get rid of brain fog or whatever, the conversation is always around hormones. And it's the thing that we were taught the least about, you know, like in high school and health class. <laughs> I don't even think they ever mentioned what a hormone is. Like, no, alone... I just thought that you had sex and you got pregnant. That I thought you just looked at someone and got pregnant. I was like, oh my God, I can't look at Billy because oh my God, I'm gonna have... like the way that they went about teaching like health is just, it should be a crime against humanity, but that could be a podcast for another time. No. And it's, um, it's really, really true. And I think too, um, what I find, you know, obviously as the year progressed and, you know, being a practitioner evolves into, you know, more years, I'm noticing more clients too, with the idea of you do something and suddenly you reach that destination, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever your goal health wise was, you think you're going to get it and you're going to stay there. And the truth is, you know, health is a journey, just like every other season in your life, whatever journey you're going through, your health is the same way. Right. So you think you're at that point where it's like, okay, great. I just went through this and I'm doing great and you can maintain it. Right. But there could be other things that are impacting other stressors that are impacting that then go into impacting your hormones, your minerals, and it kind of starts to decrease. So I've noticed that, you know, the biggest word or the best word really that I can say and encourage when it comes to our health journey is consistency, because I can say for myself, right? Like I got to a point, it's like, okay, everything's great. And then I was like, let me be more lenient. Let me just eat a little bit more dairy, eat a little bit more gluten. It's fine. Sugar here, sugar there, no big deal. And that consistency piece started to decrease, right? And as it decreased, the inflammation increased. And then I started to see, okay, wait, why am I going back to the old ways that I know were not good for me, right? Don't work. Exactly. So I think, you know, for anyone and, you know, just if wherever you are on your journey, you know, just know that the consistency, that 1% better every day and maintaining that is really what's going to get you to the, the different outcome, right? Because otherwise we do something for a little bit and we're like, oh, I feel great. And then you kind of stop. And then you're like, well, why does it not work? It's not, it doesn't work. It's just that we need to maintain it. Yeah. And I think that is the hardest piece. And so we're coming off of the holidays. And I think that that's like a prime example of when people can recognize when yes. doing eating, you know, drinking too much doesn't really make it like no one comes out of the holidays being like, man, I feel great. No one. Like, no one. I have to agree with that because I have not these past two weeks. I mean, we're what at the 11th of January right now. These past two weeks have been nutty with clients just coming to me with, I'm so anxious. I, you know, I fell off the bandwagon. I need like support. I need this. I need that. And I'm like, okay, we know what works for your body, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to go back to right. it. It's the fact that like, you know, we really think that the holiday season, and I went through that also, is like free for all. Like, I'll just enjoy it all. Yeah. And it's like not the end of the world. Like in 12 months, we're going to have another holiday season. Right. Like, we don't have to. <laughs> We don't have to eat all the cookies. We do act like it is the last time we will ever see sweet potato casserole or like a cookie. As if like you couldn't make that throughout the year if you're (laughs) craving it. Exactly. 
Exactly. That's a great point. No, but it's so true. And it's, it's really to show, you know, that our daily habits, the, the foods we eat, the, you know, the hydration, the movement, it all compounds to us feeling better. Mm-hmm. When we skip that, yeah, you're going to go, you're not going to feel great. Like that's the, that's the population right now. Like that's the world population is if you're not doing those things to take care of yourself, you are going to be someone who doesn't feel well. You're going to end up at the doctors. They're going to give you a prescription. And right. that is a cycle that humanity is on. So you, you know, your, 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 your guests on the podcast, yourself, like myself, we know what our body needs mm-hmm. and what it thrives on. Now it's a decision. Like the ball is in our court. We either do it and feel great or we don't and we suffer. <laughs> what do you think is the reason people don't do the things that they know are good for them health wise and eating wise? So a few, well, actually, I think two things. One is the instant gratification, right? When you are feeling stressed out, you're most people, the instant gratification is food. It's watching something on Netflix, laying and not moving your body. You feel like, you know, you feel like that coziness of like, oh, I'm safe, right? Like this is kind of like how we felt safe. And when it comes to taking care of our health and really doing the healthy habits, the consistency piece takes a while for you to start being resolved, right? And mm. you're not getting that instant gratification. So it's very, it's very hard for our brain to register as if this is something we truly need and keep doing it because it's not just a click of a button or a swipe left, swipe right. It takes weeks, months for us to start seeing the changes and those compound effects. So I really think the biggest struggle is that we don't have a strong why. Mm. Your, your why is not strong enough. And the second thing is you're just looking for that instant gratification and you're not being patient and waiting for long-term effects and results. Yeah, that's so true because I think especially up north in the Northeast, you know, that instant gratification of feeling safe and feeling, you know, protected in these colder months when it's like less sunlight, you know, we're not outside as much, I think definitely plays a big role in that, in that needing to feel comfort kind of thing. And not wanting to be out of our comfort zone because, you know, we could die out there in the cold. <laughs> it's yeah, no, but yeah, exactly. And it's so true. So if someone is looking for, so, okay, so it's coming off the holidays and they're looking to get their health in check. And like you said, their why isn't strong enough. What are some questions that you ask or you would have people ask themselves in order to get to a better why or to understand maybe what is the purpose? And like, what's the point of doing this? So I always start off with, you know, let's say weight loss, right? So why do you want to lose weight? The person will go back and say, oh, I just want to feel better. Mm. Why do you want to feel better? Well, because then like I have energy. Why do you want to have energy? Like you have to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. So your first immediate why as a response, that is not your true why. That is like not it. You know what I mean? So for most people, for a lot of my clients, at least once we go through the layers of the why, then they get to the point of like, okay, my why to lose weight is because I want to be able to get pregnant. I want to be able to, you know, run around with my kids and be a present mom. My why, you know, so there's different reasons why, you know, your your why exists, but it's so much deeper than that first initial, oh, it's my why. I just want to feel good. Or I want to feel less inflamed or I want, you know, I want to heal my acne because I don't want to wear makeup. Mm. Why? Right. It's so true. It's such a simple question, but just keep asking yourself why until you get to the actual reason. That's so helpful because I do think that that is something that trips people up and, and also your why for something can change. Oh, absolutely. So it could have been X, Y, Z, you know, a year ago and asking yourself those questions now, it doesn't really resonate. And I think sometimes we feel like we have to, we have to stick with the same why, or, you know, we don't want to revisit that conversation and we just stay in it. And it's like, well, that's not really what we want to do anymore. Yeah. So it doesn't, right. So it doesn't resonate. And then you get off of that habit, you know, because it's like, well, that's not really my truth. Like it it was, you know, it, it once was, but not anymore. Right. So yeah, check in yeah. with yourself. I think that question, I mean, we talked to think last time about, you know, asking yourself, you know, just speaking to yourself, like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Like, these are questions that are so important that again, we don't take the time to do. And if you have that strong why, check in with yourself once a month. Is my why still this reason, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe something else came up and that's your strong reason for the why. 
So I think it's, you know, that internal dialogue we have to have with ourselves because the truth is that your health journey is a journey to fall back in love with yourself. And that really is what we need to look at. Not that we're going to reach the destination in six months, but that this is a continuous journey of loving myself a little bit more each day. Right. Like we are in this body for the foreseeable future. And it's like, you got to get comfy with it and make sure that you're enjoying the ride as much as possible and enjoying the the vessel that you've got for as long yeah. as you've got it. Like, cause otherwise it's a very long and hard existence, you know, just constantly not feeling your best self. And I think I think this is another thing too that oftentimes gets like overlooked is that a lot of people don't know what it feels like to feel well and to feel good. And I think we talked about this a little bit in the first episode, but this idea that, you know, when you try to tell people or, or convince people of, you know, trying to get healthy or feel better or, you know, check in their hormones and and see how it all plays a factor in things. Some people have absolutely no idea what it feels like to feel well and to feel good. And so you're trying to convince them of something that they don't even know what they're missing out on because they've never felt good. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really a hard thing because, A, it makes me sad thinking about that. And I think, B, where I'm at at this point in my life, I understand where I'm at now and knowing that this isn't where I, not that I want to go back to where I used to be, but I'm like, this I know is not my best version, yeah, so to speak. So it gives me that like, ability to check in and say, oh, wow, we've like, we have derailed a bit and we need to get back on. Whereas like someone else that may not know what it feels like to feel well, doesn't even know that they're kind of (laughs) off in left field somewhere. So I think that asking yourself those questions, I think helps you get to that point of whether or not, even if you have never felt well before you intuitively know, like something might not be right or like something's off. No, definitely. And I think it's just kind of breaking down into just like few categories, right? It's like, what, how's my sleep? Right. Mm, Huge. Okay. So yeah. So, okay. So how's your sleep? Do you sleep well at night? Okay. If you don't, then okay. That's not normal. Like it's not right. Like you need to be sleeping well at night. That's a priority. That's when your body is actually recharging, detoxifying and literally giving you life for the next day. So that's a category to kind of check in with yourself. The other one is like your energy. How's your energy throughout the day, right? Like, do you notice you have more energy in the mornings or afternoon, nighttime? Like that gives you an insight on, okay, how is my body doing? If you take a full night of sleep and you sleep well, but then you wake up exhausted, that's an already another sign, right? That there's something that's not really, you know, really connecting because you're supposed to really wake up well. You're not supposed to be just depending on caffeine to get through the day. Um, right. And then your period, period is another thing, you know, do you get your period regularly? How's your cycle? Try to pay attention to your hormone changes, because that really is another indicator of how you're doing. So even if you're not aware, if there's something off, those are just three little categories that really do help you kind of, you know, pinpoint like, oh, okay, well, there might be something here. And when curiosity spikes, then that's where, you know, you're able to like, okay, wait, let me learn a bit more of this, right? We have to start being more advocates and really prone to education because otherwise you're just going to continue going as your life as an adult woman, not aware of your body. And Mm. that's really, really dangerous, right? Because it's, it's our home and we don't know our home. Yeah. Which is such a weird thing when you think about it. It's so weird. How detached (laughs) we have become from our own bodies is unbelievable. It's like, we think our brain is like up here and that's like one person. And then like our bodies are this like other person that like we kind of know, but kind of like not really sure what's going on. It's so weird. Yeah. It is one unit. It is all together. It is. And I think, I think, you know, it's just society, celebrities, you know, the whole, really the whole world has made it seem like the body is just um, an image of the outside, right? Like you just have to Mm. look good. You look a certain way, you dress up, you do this, this and that but not really much conversation of the internal, like what's happening internally. Like we are not just the beauty, right? Like we have more to that. Um, And I think that's really, really important that if people are not talking about it, then you have to find other avenues of conversations that are happening and then start educating yourself. And if you're like, okay, I don't have the time to educate, then, you know, hire professionals to help you and guide you and be able to tell you like, hey, this is where, you know, your body is at. This is where really you should be at because you're going to be feeling so much better. Even if you have no idea what that feeling is like, right? There's someone that could be able to guide you into that next version. What do you think is like the first thing 
you mentioned sleep, but like, what is, what is like that first step towards altering your wellness or so I guess, I mean, I would think it would be sleep, but yeah. So I actually think so two things really, I think, first of all, we think that wellness is so complicated and there's so much self-care involved. It's really just the basics. Like if you are getting good enough sleep, like going to bed between the hours of 10 to 11, that is prime, right? Because between 10 to 2 a.m., that's when your livers are, your livers detoxifying, your body's recharging. So much is happening systemically, right? If you go to bed at 1 a.m., your circadian rhythm just missed all of those hours to do its work. So you don't do that job, right? Your body doesn't say, okay, it's 1 a.m., Kendall's going to bed, and now we start the process. No, it's mm. 1 a.m., we're going to start off with working on this section of the body, right? Let's say the gallbladder. And forget the liver today because Kendall didn't give us time for that. Like that's internally mm. the communication that kind of happens. So the sleep is important, but the other part too is hydration. Literally people don't drink enough water mm. and it's such a struggle to get people to drink water. Isn't that wild? <laughs> we are made up of water guys. Like that is like our whole being is mostly water. You would think with the amount of people buying Stanley cups that we would be overly hydrated. <laughs> But apparently we're not. I wish. That brings up a really good point because there's so many, I don't know, wellness brands and and things that pop up on trends and stuff like that. And you were the one that taught me years ago just to put like a little Celtic sea salt in Mm -hmm. my water. Yeah. Because it has like the most minerals and it's like most minerals. I don't want to say nutrients, just minerals. Um and just a little bit and like, you're good. But yeah, and you, you know, you see like liquid IV and element and all these other companies out there selling you basically like salt packets, right? essentially, because that's all liquid. IV. I mean, it's a little bit of flavor and whatever. So yeah. I guess if for the person that doesn't drink water, maybe it's beneficial, but I wonder like what your perspective is on some of that, because for me, I'm just like, why wouldn't people just put salt in their water? But Again. Right. So, so no. I definitely, the Celtic sea salt thing is an everyday thing. So if you're new here and you're like, okay, what does that mean? So Celtic sea salt is a brand of sodium, right? That comes directly from the ocean. So it has the most mineral content, the most vitamin content also. So the reason why we add it into water is because it allows our water to actually be um, absorbed better by our cells. So it's just a little pinch of Celtic sea salt into your water. Every time you're drinking your water bottle, you just add that in as well. And you're helping your body absorb the water because there's a lot of times where you drink water and then you're still dehydrated and you're drinking more and more water. It's not that it's just the fact that your, your cells are not fully absorbing the water, right? So the Celtic sea salt helps the water enter your cells. So that's the support there. Now with the other, you know, brands that are coming out with, you know, these liquid IVs and I think there's like element or whatever, you know, the other brands yeah. are called element T or something like that. There's yeah. different brands. Um, I think they're great in comparison to like, if you were to drink a Gatorade or a smart water, mm-hmm. okay. then you get one of those packets, right? So typically it'd be for the person, like if you're going to go to a spinning class, I think that's great to rehydrate during your spin class. If you're going to go for a hike, that's great. If you're going to spend the whole day at the beach, that's great. But for your normal day, you don't need to be drinking a bunch of those packets, right? Because then at the end of the day too, you're then going to be just over mineralizing too much because just one packet, I think has more than a thousand milligrams of sodium. So it's pretty, it's, you know, it's great for that person that's heavily sweating. So if you're going to do any type of workout that you're sweating, or if you're going to spend like 30, 40 minutes in the sauna, perfect, because you're really, really sweating out those minerals, your nutrients. So that's a great way to replenish it. But on a daily, daily, just get your Celtic sea salt and just add a little pinch. Yeah. Okay. So that makes more sense. So it's more of like a supplement for those like higher intensity days exactly. when you're sweating, when you're really getting rid of a lot of excess water from your skin and from yes. your body, then you yes. need to replenish. That makes sense. Or like if you have, let's say you, you know, you went out, let's say you're going to go out tonight, you're going to drink a lot, have one before you go out. And then before you go to bed, have another one. Cause that will help you with your hangover the next day. So Ooh, see, that I would be interested in having it for. <laughs> so that's a great way, you know, to kind of add it in, but always just make sure you're looking at the labels because you want to see what other added ingredients are in there. If it has right. other added, you know, ingredients, then stay away from it. It should really just have the key elements, which is your magnesium, your sodium, some have potassium, some have vitamin C, but that's pretty much it. It shouldn't be loaded with different things. And definitely it shouldn't have any sugar. 
that's why, you know, we want to stay away from Gatorade is specifically because the ingredients aren't great. Um, Smart Mm -hmm. water also, but it's also loaded with sugar. So it's going to dehydrate you. So it just does, you know, the opposite of really what you're looking for. Now, what is it about drinking that depletes our minerals so quickly? Is it just because it's a diuretic and we're just peeing all night? (laughs) Well, so with drinking, the first thing is that it obviously, you know, it creates a stress internally for the body. So anytime Mm -hmm. the body has, you know, that spike in cortisol, your minerals are depleted. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes when we're drinking, there's a few things that we're doing. We are eating badly, right? We're, we're eating the munchies after you're just the chicken nuggets, all the stuff. That's Mm -hmm. when McDonald's comes into play. Right. (laughs) And so you're eating foods that are already processed, have, you know, all the bad seed oils and you're not hydrating. So your body internally is like, oh my gosh, what's happening, right? Like this is, this is, we're so dehydrating. We're doing the best to keep up. So when we drink also our hormones spike, so our estrogen spikes for women, and then also our melatonin production is decreased. So we don't really sleep well. So that's why some people are like, I have to drink more to sleep because it's almost like you have to black out to be able to fall asleep because your whole body is out of whack. And then you wake up the next day and you're dead. Oof. Yeah. So hydrate. (laughs) hydrate before make sure you have your, you know, Celtic sea salt water or make sure you have your, I always hear this from people like, cause people see me put salt in my water and they're like, Oh my God, aren't you going to be so bloated? Like salt makes me so bloated. And I don't really know how to articulate to them that like, it's different than like yeah. you were saying, like the salt from McDonald's. Yeah. So there is, um, so there's processed salt, which is a salt that makes you very bloated. So that's the salt that every restaurant uses McDonald's, but honestly, most restaurants, right? It's that salt that you see in the supermarket other than your Himalayan salt and other like than iodized salt. Exactly. Yeah. So those are the ones that are going to make you bloated because all of the actual minerals and nutrients have been removed. Interesting. It's okay. just, it's just process. It's just a way of, instead of them having good quality salt that remineralizes our food, it's a processed salt, right? It's just like the burger, right? Like a, a patty compared mm-hmm. to like a vegan patty, right? Like that's a process. Like that's something totally, there you go. Okay. that's like, that's like man-made. The sodium right. is also man-made. So it's not something that's natural, right? So when it comes into our body, our body's like, whoa, what is this? Like, we don't want it. Inflammation spikes. We get puffy, get bloated. Now with Celtic sea salt or Himalayan salt, they have, they're natural, right? Like our body knows them. So when it comes into the body, it just goes through and replenishes ourselves versus being a trigger and our body being alerted as there's something, you know, that we don't recognize. Perfect sense. Okay. And now I feel equipped to answer that because I do get like crazy looks. Like I remember when I first started doing it, people would be like, what are you doing? Like Tim was like, why are you putting salt in your water? I'm like, it's how you can stay hydrated because our water is devoid of most minerals. Unless you're getting like, would you, would you say that like mineral water that you can get from the store is worth purchasing then? Like, no, I wouldn't. Um, I actually wouldn't because at that point too, then it's going through a, like, it's just going through a chemical process, right? Like they're not at, it's not like they're adding Celtic sea salt to the water and naturally mineralizing it. No, they're just adding then, you know, calcium, they're adding like different forms of supplementation where eventually it can just become too much. So you would just, you're just rather, you know, buy water that is, well, first I would recommend a Berkey filter because you need to Mm. really make sure that your water is filtered out. The worst thing that we're doing right now is just drinking water that's literally loaded with toxins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can talk about more about toxicity because after, you know, getting my breast implants, my mom got her also, there's a whole different thing of toxicity that we're like on this journey of, but that's like the main thing. It's like the source of your water, your water shower filter also is really important because our skin absorbs 70% of anything we put on it. Right. So we want to make sure that we're not adding, you know, toxins through the absorption of our skin. And then of course, um, just making sure that you're adding the Celtic sea salt or Himalayan salt. Celtic is still better because it does have more minerals than our Himalayan sea salt, sorry, Himalayan salt. Um, but that would be much, much better than adding or buying, you know, expensive water brands that say that they're mineralized. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Um, okay. So then just switching gears now to, cause I know a lot of people listening to this are either thinking about getting pregnant, trying to get pregnant are pregnant currently just had a bit like we're all like in it, in it <laughs> right there. And I know there are, pro- I could like hear questions like coming 
in. I should probably have checked my phone from the questions that were in the question box, but I can already know what they are. So from a standpoint of like, okay, so minerals, like we're getting our minerals in check. We're getting our wellness. We're checking in with ourselves. We're trying to figure out, do we feel well? Is there room for improvement? What is something that someone starting on the process of trying to get pregnant, what would be like your two or three things that you would suggest for them to do in terms of general tips and techniques that you would suggest? Yeah, I think, you know, we covered a bit of it as in like the basics, right? I think sometimes mm-hmm. we, you know, when we're we're going into that season of life, there's the, the mindset of like, I need to be doing all of these grand things. And right. really it's the <laughs> consistency on the small things because yeah. your body needs to adjust to the new things that you're putting in, all the goodness that it's receiving, the minerals, the, you know, the balanced hormones, like it needs to get adjusted to all of that. Otherwise, what we go through is like, oh, we support our bodies for two weeks and then we don't anymore. So your body goes question mark, question mark, question mark. Where are the nutrients? What do we do here? What are we supposed to live off of? Right. And then it's receiving junk food, cookies, all of these sugars, inflammation increases. So all of that improvement for two weeks went out the window. Mm. Right. So now it's like the consistency. It's knowing, okay, this is these are the three, four things that I'm doing. I'm sleeping, you know, around 10 p.m. I'm getting sunlight in the morning as much as I can, right? I know, you know, most people live, you know, not most people, but if you're in cold climate, just stay by the window, right? Just get some sunlight through the window. Don't go outside and freeze. Um, Make sure you're hydrating, getting your Celtic sea salt. Make sure you're getting nutrients, right? Your plate should look like a rainbow. We've heard this before and it's Mm -hmm. true, right? We shouldn't just be eating green. We should be eating the reds, the oranges, the, the yellows. Like it should be a rainbow mix of color. And another thing too is look into your protein intake because your body does need protein. Okay. So that's something that uh, women especially are lacking and we really don't eat enough protein. So if you Mm. think about one pound of protein per your body weight, that's a lot of protein that we should be eating. And if you actually do the calculation of what you're eating, if you just track that for a day, most women are around 60 grams of protein. That's very, very low. So that impacts our metabolism, that impacts the energy that our body has to run off of. And then, of course, it's lowering stress. And by lowering stress, I mean, when I say lowering stress, it's I think that gets um, a weird comment, not common, but just, you know, people are always like, I can't lower stress, like my life is stressful. I get it. Like everyone has stress in their lives. It's not the fact that you're lowering the stress that's coming into your life is you're helping your body lower the reaction towards Mm. stress. Okay. We are, we can't, we cannot eliminate stress. Like stress is all around us, but we can support our bodies to actually stay at peace, right? Stay in the rest and digest instead of going into fight or flight, which is that increase in cortisol. So simple ways to do that is you can just lay flat on your floor. If you're feeling stressed out, overwhelmed, anxious, just take a second, lay flat on your floor. And when you lay flat on your floor, if you experience that, you'll see that naturally you feel your body just sink in. And when it's sinking in, you can tell that you, your, your whole being changes because your nervous system is now calm. Because what happens is that when we have stress and we have anxiety, our brain cannot associate if it's something that's happening to us, right? Mm-hmm. Physically, or if it's happening something to us emotionally, mentally, right? If it's just a thought. So our nervous system gets dysregulated. We go into that fight or flight. Cortisol is produced and increased, right? So our adrenaline is spiking. And when we're able to lay flat on the on the floor, not on the bed, on the floor, it's a hard surface. So your body is able to trigger to bring you back to the present. And when mm-hmm. you're in the present and you're in the hard surface of the floor, you realize and your, your brain realizes that you're safe. You're not in danger. You're, there's nothing happening, right? Because anytime that cortisol fight or flight is induced, our body goes into believing that you're being attacked by a bear. There is a bear chasing you. So it's, that is so, so, true. it's so simple, right? But these are things of like acknowledging like, okay, wait, right now I'm feeling the anxiety. I'm feeling a bit more stressed. I read this email. I got this news. Something happened, you know? Okay, let me just take a few minutes. Either let me breathe. Because breathing in and out, again, signals to your body that you're safe, or let me lay on that flat surface. These are little things that you do to support your body long term, right? Just feeling safe. Because in order to really be able to conceive, you want to make sure that your body is a safe home. So the more that your body has that feeling of I am a safe place, the more it's ready 
to conceive. I think that's something that gets overlooked often is that like whether you're spiritual or not or whatever, it's just biological. Like our bodies will not produce, reproduce if it doesn't feel like it's a safe place to do it. It like our bodies know that pregnancy is extremely taxing. It takes a big toll on us. Like it it won't set us up for failure in the sense that it's not gonna do it if it doesn't feel like this is a good time (laughs) and like a safe environment. And then, you know, there's a spectrum of that too. You know, what, what that looks like for everybody might be different, but I do think that we think in terms of like how many more things can we do to try to get pregnant? And in reality, like you said, it's much more of just getting back to the basics. And the thing you said about laying on the floor is so interesting. And I think that's probably why I love Yoga class and the end of yoga is just yes. like laying shavasana and just like everyone's favorite pose. Like, but it really does something, and I think that there is something to be said because it is different than laying on your bed. It's completely different than laying on your bed, and you wouldn't think that. So next time, anybody out there that's listening, if you're like in the midst of like an anxiety attack or like whatever, just lay your ass on the floor. <laughs> honestly you guys like i mean sometimes i say things and people are you know just like with you at the celtic sea salt and tim looking at you and be like what are you doing like it's okay to look crazy like yes i'm fully like nutty okay like it's fine like i'd much rather lay on the floor and look like a weirdo than you know just allow my body to spiral into thinking i'm being chased by a bear and this cortisol just keeps increasing and increasing if that's the yeah. one thing that I can do for myself, along with the breath, the breath work to allow my body to understand like, Hey, you're at peace. Then it is so yeah. worthy because the more you continue to tell your body, Hey, you're at peace. Like, Hey, this is okay. Again, the more safety and the more, you know, acts at, at peace, your, your home is. And that's yeah. really just for anything. It's if you're trying to conceive, you're trying to balance hormones, you're trying to balance your gut. All of this is the same thing, right? It's one system. It's one home. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part too, is, is understanding that you can't just isolate one thing from the other. It's like, you can't try to fix or like mental health, for example, it's like, you can't just isolate the mental health piece without talking about what you're eating. Um, It's and, and people want to detach that because that's how we've been, you know, raised and culturally, that's how we had been operating for the last 40, 50, 60 years. Um, we used to be much more in tune with our body and then we kind of overcorrected with like Western medicine a little bit. And, but now we're getting back to it where we realize, okay, there's like this gut brain axis that we need to take into consideration. So yeah, the things that we're eating affect our mental health and vice versa. And our gut health affects our reproductive health and our ability to sleep affects our hormone production, like all of this stuff. And I think um, sometimes we don't want to admit that because then that feels a little bit more overwhelming in the sense that it's like, oh, it's all of this that I have to fix. It's not just this one isolated thing. But I do think fixing all of it is easier than we think it might be. Like you said, like it is, there are simple, like vital things that we have to look out for. And if we can get those things in check, all the other stuff kind of becomes a little bit easier. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think too, we have to remember, like, we're not reinventing the wheel, like we're not Mm. reinventing the body, right? The body knows what it has to do. All we're doing when we're looking into a systemic check is that we're supporting the links, right? Like we're making sure the connection is is working. And if there's one connection off here, another connection off here, then these organs aren't communicating, the processes are delayed. So all we're doing really is focusing on, okay, let's make sure that communication internally with our body, with our organs, everything is working. So, you know, once you kind of think about it that way, not thinking like I have to reinvent and launch a whole new body. Right, right, right. No, like <laughs> your body's there. It knows what's supposed to do. It will go back to doing what it needs to do. It just needs some rebalancing and guidance and just kind of, you know, restructuring. That's really it. Um, But yeah, no, I think that's very, very true. And I think as well, you know, when we think about, you know, the mindset, I think some, you know, especially now with, you know, winter season, there's that seasonal depression that comes into play. We talked a little bit about, you know, last February also, but I just want everyone to kind of think about it in the sense that holiday season, right? We have November, December, where that's pretty much the time of year where everyone falls off the bandwagon some way mm-hmm. or another, right? Maybe your 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 mindset habits go out the window, or maybe you're triggered by so much family time. Maybe you're triggered with all the things that you have to do and the expenses and all the things that go around it, right? 
food comes in and we're eating all the things. So our body, we leave that, you know, that approach that we had that was holistic and just taking care of ourselves, honoring ourselves, right? We go for weeks for about, honestly, six to seven weeks of just doing whatever and just surviving. Stress is through the roof. And then we enter January. And suddenly, January and February, everyone is stressed out and anxious and depressed. Mm -hmm. So what's the correlation, right? Like, what's the correlation there outside from the fact that, yes, the sun has an impact, you're not getting as much sunlight, you're not getting as much movement, but it's that compound effect from the previous months. That's why we feel the results starting January and we all start to be like, oh my gosh, I don't feel good. It's the seasonal depression again. Well, yes, that it has a play, but it's also the consequences of the actions, right? So when it comes to that, it's like, okay, realizing that if every other part or every other month of the year, you feel better mentally, it has to do with our lifestyle. So don't just, you know, don't just say it's just the weather. Yes, the weather plays a role. I get it. But there are also things that we can be doing to support our well-being, right? I think, you know, the movement part, once once it's winter, we don't move enough. We don't move as much. I noticed, you know, even here with myself, this morning I woke up and I'm in Florida and it was 47 degrees and I was like, oh, so cold. I'm not going to go for my morning walk. I didn't go for my morning walk. And now I'm like, shoot, how am I going to get 10,000 steps in? Because I didn't go for my morning walk. So, you know, you start to become slower by like little by little more sluggish and then more, you know, more you're looking for that comfort food. Like it just becomes little by little. Like a domino effect. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is so interesting. And I think, I think that that actually plays more into it than we give it credit for this like post holiday come down, um, you know, the holidays can be really tough for some people. Some people, it's like their favorite time of year, whatever it might be. There is this energy in the air of like anticipation. And it's funny. I was just talking about this with somebody because it reminded me of like my wedding. It's like when you're planning for a wedding and I planned my wedding in four weeks. I mean, technically four weeks I planned it, but I'd been engaged for four years. So I don't know what it was, whether it was four years or four four weeks. Um, but there's like a post-wedding blues thing that is so real, so, so real. And like, there's a come down after. And I was talking about this with a friend of mine and I was like, it's kind of like that, like with Christmas, it's like all this anticipation again, whether it's a, you have fond memories of the holiday and you're excited about it, or if it's like triggering or whatever, there is still this energy in the air, this collective like buzz in the air. And then, and I say this every year and that's my Christmas tree is still up it's more of an avoidance thing at this point than like me just liking the twinkly lights, but it's like the cord gets ripped out. It's like, as soon as Christmas and like new year's is over, it's like, we pull the plug and we're like, fuck this shit. Like, that's it. We're done. And it's like a vacuum just sucks all of that energy away. And then we're just left with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that that plays a lot more into the seasonal depression than necessarily the actual weather. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's, it could be equal parts of both, but I do think that that piece we're, we're not talking at all. We'll, we'll talk about seasonal depression all day long, yeah. but like we're not talking about the fact that there is this incredible buildup to Christmas and new year's and all this expectation and hope and blah, 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 all this time with family and friends and bills and spending and excitement and dopamine and all, blah, all this stuff. And then it just goes away. Yeah. The way that I, I, you know, think about it too, it's like you're, you know, during the holiday season, we're at such a high, Mm. like we're at the peak of that roller coaster Mm -hmm. and then January comes, we collapse. Like like, we are just exactly around and then we stay there. Yeah. (laughs) There, Right. Because then it's like your whole body's like, what did we just hung over? Yeah. It's like like an adrenaline hangover. Yeah. It's so weird. I never, I never thought about it. And the way that you put it was perfect because I really, up until this year, I had never thought about it. And I am someone that thinks they struggle with the seasons quite heavily, but I never factored in the holiday aspect of it and the food and the, you know, extra drinking or being out late and like just a packed schedule every weekend doing something. Yes, It's a compound effect. And then we go back, you know, and then obviously we hit January. And then for a lot of people, you know, it's like suddenly 
you have more time, but also that means more time thinking, right? About where mm-hmm. your life is, where you're going. And then you start putting more pressure on yourself and seeing social media with what people are doing, have plan and goals. So it really is, you know, it's a really drastic emotional change that we go through in a matter of a month. You're at a really yeah. peak high of celebration. Everyone's happy. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, like, yeah. what the heck am I going to get done this year? Like pressure is on. I'm yeah. feeling bad, right? I'm not feeling my best. And like people are moving and grooving and I'm like, okay, I don't feel well. So you yeah. start to then feel worse because you're putting more pressure on yourself. And it's just this cycle. And then you go like that for three months until spring comes around. And you're like, oh, oh, summer's coming. <laughs> summer's coming. So let me start eating healthy. Exactly. And then there you start go. feeling better around May. Exactly. That is so funny. I feel like there are people that are listening to this right now that are just being like, oh my God, I feel so exposed and seen right now. Because I I mean, I feel I feel a good version of this. And I was just talking about it, like I said, and I'm like, wow, like I didn't I, I'm not putting this together. I'm like, you know, you feel like the new year and you can again, you know, you can watch other people off to the races doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, damn, I'm still trying to figure out what day of the week it is. <laughs> like, yeah, alone, like no, my goals for the year and like doing all of that. So I do think that that um that is a welcome little piece of encouragement that it's not it's not necessarily you. It could be the habits that you've picked up over the course of the season, but you will you will write the course, I think. No, hopefully. absolutely. And I think too, you know, like I've noticed just with myself, I feel like this past Christmas, I really started to think back about, okay, like how was Christmas when I was a child, right? I had no responsibilities. It was like the mm-hmm. best time, right? Like it was so much joy. It was also time off from school and it was time mm-hmm. off to just rest and recharge for the new year. Like that was my right. mind. Now as adults, it is literally to me the busiest time of the year. Yes. But it's also the time where we are already running off of no energy. Right. So it's like, just pack on more things, more people to see, more things to do, more things to get, more things to cook. And then where where does our self-care stay in the middle, right? It doesn't. Like, we're just like, all right, you go down there because like right now we have all of these people to take care of. So absolutely when January comes around, one, we're exhausted. And two, you know, we're like trying to play catch up with life. And then it's that feeling of like, oh my gosh, you know, the anxiety kicks in. And then that's really another impact of that seasonal depression when people are like so anxious that, you know, they've kind of lost control of everything that they were doing before. But simply because we take a month off, not off, but we take a month where we're adding on to the things that we're doing. Right. So it's just, you know, I think, you know, people don't really talk about it. I love the holiday seasons, but I've also recognized that it's not a slow season. It's actually like a very busy season. And I have to give myself grace during the first to second week of January to just breathe and like, yeah, get my, like, my, I don't even know, like get my feet back running, like get like myself like, yeah. back up and running because it is quite a lot. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And I think hopefully I can remember this for next year because I do think there's something to I'll be said when I-, you when I see you eating cookies after days, after days, Kendall, I'm going to remember how you're going to feel. In January 31st, rain it in. But I was in Key West last week and I couldn't believe how many people were on vacation the first week of the year. And I just thought it would be a super slow week because, you know, people are done traveling because of the holidays and whatever. But I couldn't believe how many people were there. And I said, you know what? I was like, this is actually the move. The move is to go on vacation the first week of the year, because that's the only time, A, you're going to get some peace yeah. and B, you don't have to be anywhere. You know, I've actually noticed quite a few more people also, you know, just entrepreneurs in general saying, Hey, I'm going to be back on the 11th or sorry, the 10th of January this year. Yeah. Like, wow, that is like, that's going to be me next year. Next year I'm blocking off like more. We need to make this a thing. Like we (laughs) need to make the movement for like the first two weeks of the year are just a reacclimation into reality two weeks. Yeah. And I think, I think too, like, like I'm going to give an example for myself right now. I have three big projects going on at the same time. So my January kicked off so crazy, but I was Mm. also feeling the the effects of like of December, of course. So now I looked at my calendar and I felt the overwhelm and I'm like, okay, feeling the overwhelm. Like I can feel it. It's sitting in here and I'm not going to ignore it. So what can I do about it? What I can do about it is I can move a few things around to the third and fourth week of January because they're not as important, right? Mm -hmm. And I need to prioritize where am I putting me first? 
Yeah. So if that means waking up a little bit earlier, an hour earlier to have me time before meetings, perfect. If that means I'm going to put myself into a Pilates class at noon, perfect. If that means I'm going to make sure five o'clock I'm free because I need to get outside and just go for a walk, that's what I have to do. So, you know, it's it's not everyone's going to be able to, you know, have the flexibility in the schedule that they want to do, but look at the schedule and just say, where can I put myself in? Because yeah. if you don't do that for yourself every single day, then you're going to feel the burnout. You're going to feel extra anxious, extra, you know, stressed out. And little things like that, when I know I'm like, okay, this is just my one hour of me time, the rest I'll tackle work, the rest I'll tackle the projects. That's okay. Like it just yeah. brings more ease to yourself. Right. And I think that's just something that's really, really important. And that's always like the hardest part is to like schedule you into your calendar. And I think the things that we have more control over, we have more control over things than we think. I, I think that that happens we, you know, think we make, you know, certain obligations or we have to do this. Like there's a couple of things uh, just a couple months out that I'm thinking, and I'm already overwhelmed thinking about having to go or do them or whatever. But those are things that I can actually back out of. I, I don't want to, because that, this is my thing. I always have the, I don't want to not go, or I don't want to not do this. But like, I know for my sanity and just like overwhelm that I, I probably need to not do that. So why do you not want to go? Because I can already thinking about it, it gives me not joy. It gives me a sense of like, I have to take a deep breath to like brace for and build strength for it. And I feel like it's not that type of thing that I want to have to feel that way for. It's something that should be exciting and should be light and and whatever. But the logistics of doing it all are not helping me right now. And the benefit, I can't see that the benefit outweighs like the current state kind of thing. So it's like, at some point balls have to drop and it's like, I have to drop the balls that are not priority. Yeah. And, and put me in there for now, which is something I'm so not good at and so not used to doing. And I'm really trying to get better at it. Is it the, is it the you know, the fear of missing out or is it like the letting it's like, down? it's weird. Like I don't have, I don't have FOMO in the sense of like, oh, something exciting will happen without me and I won't be there. I have FOMO in the sense of like, I genuinely want to be there. Like I genuinely want to experience or do or be or go or see for myself, like for purely selfish reasons. Not because I think I'm like, oh, like I'll, you know, feel like, you know, I got left behind. Like, I don't feel that. I just feel like that would be so fun. And I love doing anything that's fun. <laughs> like if I'm missing out on fun, I'm like, fuck, I, I want to be there. I want to be involved. I want to be in the thick of it. But even like thinking about it now, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I think um, there's an influencer I follow, um, Serena Carrington, I think her, her name on Instagram is. Mm-hmm. And she talks a lot about just like the fact that we need to really tune into the body in the sense that it's either a fuck yes or it's a fuck no. Sorry if I can't swear. Well, I know, but I, I, I never swear. Time. But that's like true. It's like you yes, feel it. Like you know if it's a yes and if it's a no. And right now, it's definitely a no. But you're still trying to make it a yes. I'm. So, I will try to make it a hell, hell yes, fuck yes, as much as I possibly can. But it's not. But the the thing that you said is like so. It's not about people. It's about fun. So what can you do at home during that weekend? With friends or family, that's fun. So that when mm. you look at your calendar, you're like, oh, I'm gonna have so much fun this weekend. You're not gonna think yeah. about the fact that you're gonna be home laying on the couch, you know, because it's like that's not your reality. You're actually gonna go do right. something fun, but local. Right. So I think, I you know, think I, yeah, train, I think, you know, look into that op- like opportunity and try to find, okay, the emotion. Right now, you- laying on the couch actually seems like really fun. <laughs> and that's totally fine. That's totally fine. But it's more so, you know, tapping into the emotion that that experience right. is going to give you. And right. if the emotion is, you know, I don't know, laughter, fun, and you can't go to something or you're choosing not to go to something because of your own mindset and well-being, right? You're putting yourself first, then bring those emotions into that current state. That way you don't hack. feel like you're losing out or you don't feel right. like the decision is so hard to make because ultimately you're still getting the emotion. You're still getting the same emotion that you want. Yeah. That's such a great tip. Oh my God. That's huge because I feel like that would save a lot of people a lot of 
running around and just being super spread thin because I think we're all trying to search for some feeling, right? Either the feeling of being wanted or needed or whatever. Um, but in that, in that zone. Yeah. And if you have, you know, if you're someone where you can't, you want to make things, you want to go to events or things because you don't want to let people down or, you know, you have like that missing out thing, a really interesting journaling activity is writing down 33 ways that you are needed. Mm. So 33 ways that people need you or dogs or animals, anything in your life that needs you. Right. So when you start Mm -hmm. thinking of that, you're like, wow, like I'm actually needed. Because oftentimes people need to go to events because they feel like their request, you know, they need me to go. Like they asked me to go. Like I need to, uh-huh. you know, go to, you know, just to say yes. Like I need to be there. Right. And you kind of feel like that you have to do it because you're like, you're needed. You're like, oh, I, I really, you know, that's the emotion, right? Like I'm needed. I'm going to go. And yeah. instead you can really realize like, no, I'm needed in other areas and I don't have to go. Like I'm okay with saying no, because there's these 33 things. That, I'm, that I'm already needed for. Exactly. And that you get to do those things, right? But you don't have to then say yes to every opportunity that comes your way because you don't feel like you just need to go and do something for someone else. That's such a good tip because I do think that that happens, especially for women. We just feel like we like feel that somebody requests our presence suddenly has like the jurisdiction over us to just make us go. And it's like, wait a minute. No, they just asked if you could be there. Like they're, they're not summoning you. But we like act as if it's like, oh my God, I've been requested. My presence is necessary. Like it's just because that's our innate feeling as women, right? Like we're created to need it, right? We're we're mothers and you know, any type of woman is really meant to be a mother, um, if they choose to, and you have that innate feeling of like I need to be needed. Mm -hmm. So when someone requests of your presence or oh, let's do something, can you? Oh, they need me, like yes, yes, yes. It's always a yes, 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 versus like actually like. I, I need to take care of myself. Like that's my first need is me right now. And I need it in all of these other areas. I can't make it. Yeah, that's huge. I love that. I need to take that advice. This is definitely going to need a part three. I know. Because um, we, we could talk for literally hours. But I do want to finish with one thing really quick. And this is just like with everything else, whether it's fashion or social media or whatever, we've commoditized wellness, I think, a bit in the sense of like trends and things that kind of stick or pick up speed for whatever reason. So I'm always curious from people that are in it and in the wellness world and have their like pulse on everything. Like what is a wellness trend that you see for 2023? And is it, is it, like worth it? Or is it just like another marketing tactic to get us hook line? Yeah. So I'm seeing a lot more people um, not drinking. Oh yes. This is a big thing. This is a big one. Yes. And I I am a fan of it. I am. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a big fan of it because I think not to say that you can't drink for the rest of your life, but I think it is a really, it's a big challenge for people to be able to learn how to go out and, and be able drink. to be okay with not drinking. Mm-hmm. If you're someone already where you can go out and you're fine with saying, no, I'm not drinking today. Like that's perfect, right? Because you, you're able to have those boundaries with, you know, with yourself and with your friends or family. But if you're someone where in social settings, you always depend on a drink, then this is a really great trend to hop on because you learn to one, put yourself first, but also right. you learn to kind of see how do you react in social settings and with people um, when you're not drinking. And do you get anxiety when you're with those people, right? Because oftentimes then it's a really big outlook into seeing, okay, this group of friends might not be the best for me because I'm always anxious around them. And that's Mm -hmm. why I depend on the alcohol. And then the other thing too is seeing the peer pressure. If, you know, your friends are going to you and say, you should be drinking. Why aren't you drinking? And they don't respect your personal choice. Then that's a conversation. That's a conversation, right? You have to, you know, be able to put the line down and say, hey, this is a choice I'm making. I'm not overstepping you. You do what you want. But I feel, you know, this is a season where I'm going to try just to stay out of alcohol. So I think yeah. it's, you know, I've seen a lot of people um, feel a lot less anxious without it, just feel much better. They are able to enjoy themselves when they go out, but also the day after they don't feel like shit because I don't know mm-hmm. about you, but after you hit 30, your hangovers... Oh. Are Those not, hangovers are rough. Are not a day long. It's a week. Oh. <laughs> so it's making sure, you know, that you're 
supporting yourself and just tuning in more to your body. So yeah, it's definitely a trend I'm seeing more. There's a lot of new companies also coming out with non-alcoholic drinks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're still able to kind of go out and order those drinks out and no one would ever know, but it's, it's a great option. I do see an, like, and I love this, um, just more of a trend of having mocktails on the list on like a cocktail menu. I just think that that is, I don't know why it's taken so long to like do that. Yes. Um, because that's always my issue. It's like, I, I don't need to drink every time I go out. I love a cocktail. I love like a well-made cocktail. I love the ceremony of it. I love like the whole like culture around it in that part, but I just, I like a special drink. So like a mocktail is perfectly fine. I just don't want to be drinking my water with lemon in it. If I'm trying to celebrate a milestone moment in my life, like that's all. So like, I love that they have mocktails on the menu now because it's just, it makes it so much less of a thing. I feel like, you know, when we were kind of growing up and, you know, in our twenties and whatever, like no one went to a bar and didn't drink because it just like, it was like so black and white. And it didn't have to be, but there just wasn't a space to have, yeah. you know, a non-alcoholic drink. Like a non-alcoholic drink up until like last year was a Shirley Temple. Like no yeah. one's <laughs> Shirley Temple out. So like I love like, you know, Seed Lip is I think a non-alcoholic spirit. There's like a lot of um, ritual I think is another one. Kin. They're non-alcoholic. It's called Kin. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah. a couple. I haven't tried them. Um but I'm sure that they're excellent. I would probably just make the same cocktail just without the liquor part, you know, right, whatever. That's the thing. I think too, it's so, you know, go prepared, you know, go already yeah. knowing what drink you want. So, you know, Pinterest has a bunch of recipes. So just think of, okay, I'm going to get this drink. So I'm just going to go to the bar and I'm saying, Hey, I want these ingredients. That's it. And a bar, any bartender you ask to make a non-alcoholic version of said cocktail would love the challenge and would most likely be able to do it. I would say maybe, Nah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount your local dive bar. They probably have seen it all. So they could probably make something too. But like, I really don't think that any restaurant or bar that you're going to, if you ever asked a bartender, like, Hey, I like what's in this. Can you make me like a non-alcoholic version? And they're like, say no more. I got you. Absolutely. Yeah. And then if it all comes down to it and like, there's nothing else you want, and maybe you don't want to let people know that you're not drinking, you can always go to the bartender and ask for a club soda, lemon, lime, in a rocks glass. Yeah. And nobody will know the no, difference. No. Just yeah. don't ask for it like a club soda because they'll give you like a regular a cup, one, yeah. and a big straw. And it's like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Why did you not know what I was asking you for? So just ask for it in a rocks glass. Nobody will know. But I love that. I love that you brought that up because that is something that I've been seeing a lot of, like sober curious or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's it is been, really interesting. It's been really interesting. I have three clients actually that last year working together, they on their own decided to go fully alcohol free and now they're going to be a year free. And That's it awesome. was, it was really cool to see the transition because the biggest thing that they learned was that they didn't actually even enjoy drinking. It was more social pressure. Yeah. And it was when they were able to, okay, know and understand their why, right? Like they made the decision. They stayed sober, you know, for one, two months. And I'm like, okay, this is how I want to live because I feel my best. I'm yeah. feeling the effects of the good effects of this, right? So their why was strong enough to then go to their community and their friends and be like, hey, this is my decision. This is what I'm going to do. And they're totally fine. They're able to go out. They have the, you know, their non-alcoholic drinks that they ask for. They still enjoy. They still, you know, go out. They're younger also. They're like in their early 20s. So it's mm-hmm. really cool to see that, you know, if they can do it when they're at the prime of going out, we all can do it. Anybody can do it. Exactly. exactly. And it's a decision. I think too, it helps you to think about eventually, how were you seeing alcohol before? Mm -hmm. Because it's until you get out of it that you realize like, wow, I actually was using alcohol as an escape at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I was looking forward to my glass of wine at the end of the day. Right. I was looking forward to my martini on Fridays. You know what I mean? But why was it? Was it a celebration or was it more of an escape? A coping. Exactly. So you can, I think it does help you. Yeah. Yeah. Understand like the like are you leaning on it for something or is it something that like is giving you something else with it is it adding to your life in any way aside from taking away from your liver and just making you feel like shit the next day but like is it giving you something else in return i think is is helpful and if you haven't done like an extended period of time without alcohol i would highly recommend it i did 
Um, I used to do dry January. I've done it a couple times. I that one time I did February because it was like two days shorter. <laughs> Just do dry February. It's only twenty eight days. <laughs> you could do like a a frozen February or something. I don't know. Just. <laughs> not drink in February, but it is, it is really good to just kind of give your body like a a moment to just, uh, recalibrate and, um, see what it feels like without all of that. But this was awesome. I'm so glad, um, this is a longer episode than, than, uh, we usually do, but it was all good content. So I feel like it'll be worth, it'll be worth a listen and we'll have to have you back for a third time. Yes. On third time, I definitely want to dive in into like more toxicity stuff. Yes. Because I think this yes. is something where we just need to be really honing in on because yeah. yeah, it's wild. I feel like that could be like a three hour long podcast. It'll be a series. Come join uh, us. Uh, yeah. Like a toxic series. Uh, I mean, I could talk about like all that shit all day long because it's just, I think it's talk about trends. It's like not a trend, but it is, I think something that we're starting to talk about a little bit more. But it's like we're still only scratching the surface and I feel like people just don't don't even know. It's like the tip of the iceberg. I think that is a that is a topic where people are afraid of actually diving into. Yes, because I think it's alarming once you start to feel back the onion a bit to be like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. 30 years oh. of this product. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, that's huge. Um, okay. But where can people find you on Instagram website, all the things? Yes. You can find me on victoria.wellness. And then my link to bio is with my website. So you can check that out. Also have a new membership launching next month, February. Yay! So, um, we'll be sharing more stuff on social media. So definitely be able to check it out. And people can join your newsletter. You have a great yeah. newsletter. So if it. you, oh, thank you. If you just join, um, just go on the website, you can sign in to stay in the know. And then every single week we do educational content on a new topic. It's so good, guys. Like definitely sign up for it because it's like packed with really, really juicy content. And it just you just have to sign up for it. It's like you're giving away a lot of free information. Yeah, no, actually. So, <laughs> so you're learning the information through Instagram stories. Every single day we post a new uh, a new education post. And then also the recap goes on the email on every Wednesday. I love it. Awesome. I love you. I love you. Can't wait to see you. I know. I'll have you back on very soon, probably sooner than a year. I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do it sooner than a year. Um, But on that note, I hope if you got anything out of this episode, make sure that you go back and listen to the first episode. It was the first episode of the Kenny and Co show. And then if you have any other questions for Victoria, make sure you reach out. And we'll have her back on for all the toxic things. Oh, so good. In part three. In part three.